0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today, and we're going to be talking about the power of the new creation. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Amen. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you, Father, for encouraging us, instructing us, uh, giving us the power uh, to live godly in Christ Jesus in this evil generation, and we thank you for it. Now, Father, enlighten us, reveal to us in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, your will and your word, and we'll give you thanks for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, right, Second Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, this chapter gives to us Things that you and I, as born-again believers, uh, have by way of comfort uh, to know, amen, that uh, in this life is not all there is. Uh, you know, we may be encompassed with trials. You may be going through a testing yourself. You may be going through a trial. Um, and you seem like, you know, your life right now is is going down a hard path. But let me tell you something, that uh, we have eternal life, and we have benefits, and we have an eternity to look forward to. Amen. Praise God. And Paul called these tests and trials light afflictions. So even though uh, we go through manifold trials, even though some of them uh, paint a picture of death, uh, listen, our life is lived in the absolute. We have absolute life flowing through us, praise God, through Jesus Christ, Uh, our Savior. So uh, he has given us the power and the ability to endure any trial, any affliction that comes our way. And so this is the tenor of this chapter. And so we'll begin in verse one. Notice what Paul says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens, Paul simply is saying that we're not to look at this life. Amen. If this, if our earthly house is dissolved, we have a home and this home is eternal. It's eternal in the heavens. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And verse two, he says, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. And we talk about that often, don't we? This old mortal is going to put on immortality. Amen. Praise God. Uh, this life is temporal, but the life, amen, that generates beyond this life will be eternal. Hallelujah. And I know that, uh, that you know, we get older all the time, and uh, the closer we get to heaven, uh, the better heaven looks to us. Praise God. So our heavenly house that's eternal in the heavens is that garment. It's that suit that we're going to be clothed with. Praise God. Amen. And so verse three says, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked for someone to be found naked, naked speaks of judgment and we will never be found naked in the world to come. Now, this world may strip us of everything we have, may, may even strip us of the clothes that we wear or the shirt on our back. But I'm telling you, there is a great clothing, a great house uh, that we're going to be clothed with. Praise God. Amen. When we get into the eternities, we're not going to be like spiritually dead people. We're not going to be like them that inhabit the regions of the damned awaiting the final judgment of God. We will be clothed with the light of life, with the light and the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul says, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And this is what our life is producing or will produce. Amen. See, we have our earthly bodies. They oftentimes make us groan and sigh. But there's coming a day where we're going to shed off and we're going to throw off these old bodies. Praise God. And we're going to put on the new. Verse 5 says, now he that hath wrought us for the self same thing is God. It's God that has prepared this for us. And he has also given unto us the earnest of the spirit. This is our guarantee. How do we know that when we die, we're going to go to heaven? By the Holy Spirit that has been given unto us. He is our guarantee. So if you have the witness of the new birth and the Holy Spirit is in you, the power of God is in you, that's the guarantee, amen, that we're going to go to heaven, that we're going to shed this body and we're going to be, it's going to be replaced with our glorious body. Hallelujah. So if we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit in us and that, and the Holy Spirit is our Guarantee, praise God, amen, hallelujah. And then Paul says this, therefore, we are always confident. See, this is what uh, creates confidence on the inside of us. Paul said this, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And verse 7 is the reason why we're absent for the Lord for we walk by faith and not by sight. In this life, we are to walk by faith. We are not to walk by the sight of our natural eyes, but we are to walk by the eyes of our understanding. Like Paul prayed for the Ephesian church in chapter 1, amen, that uh, that God would grant us and enlighten the eyes of our understanding. In other words, that he would flood our heart with light. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And then he says in verse 8, we are confident. Even though we're absent from the Lord and we're walking by faith and not by sight, we are confident. What breeds this confidence? It is the new birth. It is the witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's our spirit nature speaking. Amen. We want to be in God's presence. We want to be where he is. And Jesus says that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. He said, I will come for you. Praise God. Amen. And then verse 9, and you know, in lieu of everything that uh, that he has written, he says this, wherefore we labor, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. So while we're down on, her, on this earth, we are to work while it's day because there is a night coming where we're not going to work any longer. Amen. See, we have this confidence on the inside of us. This is why we labor for the Lord. This is why we work for the Lord so that we'll be accepted of him. Just because we've received the new birth and just because we have become born again believers doesn't mean we sit down. No, we stand up. We work. The only time you are uh, you and I are to sit down is to rest after a hard day's labor. Praise God. So this is what we do in a spiritual context. We work. We work for the church. We work for the gospel to win as many souls as we can, uh, to be a help and a blessing to the church, to cause the church to be a blessing. Amen, praise God. This is why we labor, that whether we're present or whether we're absent, we may be accepted of him. 4, verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad. So this is why we walk in the fear of the Lord. This is why we have a reverential respect of doing anything that would displease him. We want to please him in all things. We want to be like Jesus. Jesus said, I always do those things that are pleasing to the Father. That's how I want to be. And I know that's how you want to be. We want to always present ourselves, amen, as a, a perfect representative and an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's it's our nature to do that. And now verse 11 says this, Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, we understand that God is a God of love. Absolutely. He is love. God is love. But he's also justice. He will also judge and do what's right. And so, therefore, we know the terror of the Lord. We know that there is a heaven to gain, and we know that there is a hell to shun. And we know that people, especially people that we know, are going to go there. And so we pray for them. We present the gospel to them. Not only do we present it, but we live it. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus said this. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There is coming a time where people are going to come up to us and they're going to ask us, about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We're coming to those days. Amen, praise God. And we'll be ready, won't we? We'll be ready. Notice again what Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's the gospel message. That's the witnessing tool of the gospel to persuade men. But then he says this, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Paul is saying because of the solemn fear of God, this this fear, this respect of doing anything that would displease him, this is ever present in our minds. This is what governs our entire life. And this is why we work so hard to win others to the cross. Amen. Some work harder than others, but we're all in the harvest field. We're all laboring to gather in the harvest, aren't we? And the Lord knows our hearts. We work within the limits and the boundaries of which God has called us to, which he allows. Many of us are not called to go to the foreign field. Sometimes we feel pressured to go by others, but no, no. God calls us to do specific things. We know that in Romans chapter 12. Amen. So the Lord knows our hearts and he knows about the purity in this matter of working and, and fearing the Lord and doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. Amen, praise God. See, we have opportunities, many opportunities to persuade men. Oftentimes, we don't have an opportunity to pray with individuals. Many times we do. But we always have an opportunity to speak on behalf of Christ, to persuade men, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they might receive forgiveness of sins, and an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith, which comes and which is in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And sometimes it does feel like we're fighting an uphill battle. But listen, this this is no different than the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. His ministry was glorious ministry. And he finished his course. Well, We have entered into this glorious ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to fight to the very finish. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And then Paul goes on and he says this in verse 12, for we commend not ourselves again unto you. But give you an occasion to glory on our behalf. That you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. You know, we have a lot of boasters in this world. They brag about how well they do. They brag about how well they look. They brag about how well they preach. But we're not trying to pat ourselves on the back. No, sir. We have nothing to glory of. The only glory that we glory of is the glory of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're not going to boast in ourselves. We're going to boast in him. We're going to boast in the Lord. Praise God. And then verse 3 says this, verse 13, rather, for whether we be beside ourselves, whether we look like we're crazy in the eyes and in the ears of other people. Hey, we give all that to God. I mean, we're out to help change the world. We're out to help change this world that is upside down and turn it right side up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So people may think we're crazy. When we start talking about, oh, I'm telling you, uh, my wife was witnessing to one of our family members and talking about her mama and some of the miraculous things that happened in her life. You know they were building a church, they were building a house and and uh, laying the roof, but uh, there wasn't any tar paper on the roof. It was just bare wood. And here comes this horrible storm up. I mean, heading right toward the house. And my wife's daddy said, told her to get out here. You need to pray. And she did. She got down on her knees, <laughs> She started praying right there, in front of those men, in front of God, and the face of that storm. And my wife said, as as God is witness, that storm separated and divided and went right around that house, and not one drop fell on that bare roof. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so she was testifying to that to some of our family members, and they looked at her like they didn't believe a word of it. They thought, man, that was just crazy. Well, it's because people don't understand the miraculous. They don't understand who God is. I tell you, He's God of power. And do you know that if you know Christ, you have power with Him? Amen. Praise God. So if people think that we're uh, insane, hey, what does that matter to us? We are bringing glory to God and we are in our right minds. It's the world that has lost its mind, not us, praise God, because we have been given, amen, the mind of Christ. And he's the one that we lend our life to. He, We yield our life to him. And he is the one that guides us and directs us. Praise God, hallelujah, and he's going to do it all the way up to glory. I say praise God for that. Amen, amen, amen. Now, verse 14 says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge if one died for all, then we're all dead. Amen. Hallelujah. Think about that. Think about the great exchange. We judge, we have come to realize, we have determined, The great redemption song that if one died for all, that means all were dead. Verse 15, and that if he died for all, which we know he did, they which live that have passed from death to life, we should not henceforth live unto ourselves, but our life now we live it unto him which died for us and rose again. Christ died for all so that all could live. Now, he died for every each and every individual on the face of this earth, born of woman, hallelujah. And each individual has the opportunity to receive eternal life from him. This is the great message of being born again. And it means that we have surrendered ourselves to the work of Christ, what he did on the cross, raised our hands and surrendered and allowed him to conquer us, conquer our nature. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. You remember that time where you threw down all of your defenses against him? Everything that uh, that you did that opposed him, you, you just threw it all down threw your weapons of warfare down, raised your hands up. Praise God and surrender. And he became your Lord and Savior. Now, verse 16 says, wherefore, henceforth, know we no, we know man after the flesh flesh. Yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh. Paul is saying here. Yeah, I knew Jesus. After the flesh, I thought he was just a human being, just like you and I. I thought that he was a false prophet like so many that are walking the earth today. I used to know Christ after that, but not any longer. I don't know him that way any longer. I don't just know him after the flesh. I know him after the spirit, praise God, because he appeared to me. He changed my life on the road to Damascus. I thought I was going to do his will. He interrupted and intervened in my life and showed me that all my ways were wrong. He showed me in which way my life was wrong. And right there on that road, I submitted my heart and life to him. I called him Lord. Hallelujah. I called him Savior. And he saved me. Praise God. And not only did he save me, he filled me with the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Amen. And so from then on, Paul, he didn't look at men after the flesh. But he looked at men through the cross of Christ, the same way you and I must do. And I know that if you watch the news, I don't listen to it any longer. But if you do watch the news or you capture, you know, and you look at a little caption or a little headline and you see what crazy things people are doing. Amen. We're not we are not to look after those people after the flesh. But we are to look at them through the cross of Christ. Men that Christ considered so valuable valuable enough that he was willing to suffer and to die for them and take their place on the cross. Think about that. Oh, man, I tell you, I tell you, brother and sister, we're saved to serve. That's our life now. We were servants of sin, but now we're servants of Christ. We're servants of righteousness. We are to serve serve him to do his will and to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Amen. Now, here's the crux of the chapter, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. So when we became Christians, we became brand new people inside. All of our past sins are washed away. And we were not the same. Oh, Lord, we were not the same. We know that we had been changed. And verse 18 says, and all things are of God. Our salvation is of him. Our new spirit is of him. Amen. Our baptism into Christ is of him. Our spirit infilling is of him. Our reconciliation, being reconciled to to God himself, is all of him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not of us. And he says, and all things are of God and hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. And this is the ministry of reconciliation in verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. How did he do that? Not imputing their trespasses unto them. But imputing all of them upon him, Christ, who died on the cross, and he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of the grace of God. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 20, he says, now, then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. This is the message of the gospel. Be ye reconciled unto God. That's the gospel. That's what we preach. We preach reconciliation. That God is not mad at the sinner. That God paid the price of their sin. Amen. For every human being. Well, how come every human being is not being saved? Well, because they've got to hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit has to make what Christ did for them real to them by bringing uh, conviction, by convincing them of their need of the Savior. And that's why so many are dying and go to hell today, even though the price has already been paid for them. Amen. They're not willing to sit down, listen and learn. They're not not willing to allow the Holy Spirit to make it real, to make the the process real. And I know what that's like, praise God. That happened to me on October the 13th, 1971. I walked into the church's center. I walked out a saved man. And the reason is this, verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God In him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, John said this, and we're going to be closing with this. John, first John, chapter two, verses 20 through 29. But you have an anointing. Notice that you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. What John is talking about here is the anointing of the new birth, the anointing of the new creature. Amen. Nobody has to tell you whether or not you're born again. You know it. And then he says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, the truth of the born-again experience, but because you do know it and that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also." Therefore, verse 24, let that abide in you. In other words, that which God has placed in you, let it remain in you. In you, that very gospel which you heard from the very beginning. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Salvation comes with a promise, and that promise is eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing going back to the anointing, the power of the new birth, the power of the new creature, the anointing which you have received from him abides. It remains in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. Amen. You don't have to have you don't need to go up and ask somebody. Do you think I'm born again? No, you know you're born again. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has witnessed to that fact. There's a change going on in you and you know that. Praise God. Once you have received this anointing, it remains in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, concerning the all things of God, all things concerning the new birth and is true. You know, it's true. In your heart, you know, it's true. And it is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide or you will remain. Praise God. Hallelujah. Nobody's going to take it away from you. Because Jesus said this, you're in my hands and no man can pluck you out of my hands. And now little children abide, remain, remain in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. There's only one one way you and I can practice the righteousness of God, and that is we have to receive the person of God, and that's Jesus Christ. Father, we bless you today. We thank you for great encouragement in the Scriptures, the power of God that resides on the inside of us through the new birth. Thank you, Father, for this unspeakable gift, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly